Thomas says, I'm not going to believe it. Then one week later, they meet again. And this time when the disciples meet, Thomas is with them. Here come the disciples. They're meeting in the house again. And then it says, and Jesus showed up inside the house. Oh, I love that because I want you to understand there is no doubt that Jesus will show up even when we don't get it right in our head and in our heart he still shows up even in our difficulty even in our disappointment even in our depression and suppression even in our pain Jesus showed up there is no doubt that he will show up that's my word to you today I don't care how bad things are in your life Jesus will show up. I don't care how bad it is in your family or community Jesus will show up What's up, family, and welcome to Eastern Star Church, where Jesus is exalted and the word is explained. And yes, uh, churches have been shut down, businesses have been shut down. We're still in a quarantine, still in a pandemic, um, but it's more important than ever that we continue to exalt the name of Jesus and continue to explain God's word. Um, and we're going to do that even on today. And I have with me, of course, uh, the senior pastor of Eastern Star Church, Pastor Jeffrey Allen Johnson Sr., uh, is also my father. I go by Pastor Jay over at Eastern Star Church, and uh, I'm just excited about today's conversation. Dad, uh, yeah, how you doing today, sir? I'm fine, son. Everything's good? Everything is well. Uh, I've seen, seen a meme or a tweet or something that said, you know, we're, we're, we're saying that we're working from home, but really we're at home working in a pandemic. There's there's a difference. We're working in a pandemic. I'm trying to finish a paper in a pandemic, uh, running a daycare here at the house in a pandemic. Um, but we're still giving glory and honor to God for we know that God is still in control uh, in spite of everything that we may see and experience. So everything is good. Well, I know you know how to work it out, son. You're a great organizer. No, not quite. <laughs> but uh, I want to hop. I want to hop right into it. Uh, I appreciate your time. But um, so you know, we start each conversation with uh, a sermon in a sentence. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, you preached a sermon uh, entitled "You Can't You Can't Make Me Doubt Him." Um, what would be your sermon in a sentence? dealing with that text that you dealt with on Wednesday afternoon? Well, I believe that the uh, enemy uses doubt to get us defeated. And so it's our faith that brings us victory. So that would be it in a nutshell. Yeah. If we, if we can move away from the doubt, move towards the faith, then we move from defeat to victory. Yes. Yes, sir. So you dealt with uh, the disciple Thomas and, you know, we call him, you know, Downing Thomas, when really all of the disciples doubted that he resurrected after the women came back to the house and told them what happened at the resur what happened at the grave, that the, the tomb was empty. Um, and you dealt with how our disappointments, the disappointments that we go through in life causes us to doubt and it causes us to, to not believe. Uh, that Jesus is who he says that he is. And as you said, as you said Wednesday, um, if we're not careful, our doubt can have us miss out on the move and the miracles of God. Yeah, it's, it's really, there's a remarkable uh, statement that Mark makes in the gospel of Mark. 
when he talks about after Jesus started his earthly ministry, you know, Jesus was healing the sick, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind. And I believe all the Bible. I believe, I believe the, the, the axe head swam and the jackass spoke. I believe the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Right. And I believe that Jesus worked miracles. I believe he turned water into wine. I believe he gave blind their sight and deaf the ability to hear and mute the ability to speak. Then Jesus goes back to Nazareth. And when he goes to Nazareth, he preaches and teaches. And everybody is amazed at his wisdom and his knowledge and his understanding. And then they started talking about, isn't this Mary's son? And then they start naming his brothers and who they are. And we know his sisters. And, and, and right after that, it says that Jesus could not perform any miracles in Nazareth except he healed a few sick people. So we know that his, he has the ability and the power to heal. We know that and to deliver and to do miracles, but he couldn't do it according to Mark. He could not do it. Not he didn't do it or wouldn't do it. He couldn't do it in Nazareth. And we know it's not power because he did it everywhere else he went. It's because they didn't believe, Mark said. And it is that disbelief, it is that doubt that keeps us living these defeated lives. And then we miss out on what Christ is able to do. And then we say, well, Christ is not real. No, he's real. It's just you don't believe it. <laughs> and when you don't believe it, then you're blocking the blessings from coming in your own life. And so when Thomas, and as you said, with, the, with all the disciples, all 11 of them, of course, Judas already did that, which was self-destructive. Right. All 11 disciples, when they first heard about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, none of them believed it. And then when Jesus showed up, Thomas wasn't anywhere around. And they're trying to convince Thomas that, that Jesus was raised from the dead. And his doubt caused him to miss out on blessings that Christ wanted to do in his life. And the same thing happens today. We got disciples. They, I, no, nobody's arguing whether or not you've accepted Christ. You're a disciple. But that disbelief, that doubt will block you from blessings. So, Doc, how do we how do we overcome doubt? Because as you talked about on Wednesday, uh, the title of your sermon, you can't make me doubt him. And then you went into why, you know, um, the enemy can't make us doubt because Christ will show up. He'll speak up and he'll show his scars. But before Christ will even show up and speak up. Like, how does one overcome doubt? Because not only do people doubt um, that Jesus is the Messiah, but like you said, we, we are disciples, so we already accepted Christ. But then for many of us, we doubt that Christ can move in our family, move in our business, move in our educational pursuits because of the di disappointments that we're experiencing even now. So how does one overcome the doubt as we wait on Christ to show up? Well, since you're talking about the Gospel of John chapter 20, I'll stay in that and how Thomas overcame his doubt. He said, I will not believe. And then went into what it would take for him to believe. And, he, and, and the reason he was at the point, one of the reasons he was at the point of disbelief and doubt was because when the other disciples came together with each other and got together with Jesus and they were all in the house together, he wasn't there. So he didn't see what they saw. He didn't hear what they heard. He didn't experience what they experienced. He, what, how could he? He was so disconnected from the other disciples and Christ when they came together. So he missed out on it. So a week later, they get back together 
And guess who's within the number this time? Thomas is there. So he said, this time, instead of having a disconnect, when the disciples come together to connect with Christ in that house, I'm going to be in the house. And so part of that is getting connected with a group of believers and, and experiencing Jesus together. Man, we miss out on the social piece of Christianity. I was witnessing to uh, a young lady and uh, just, you know, just ask, have you thought about being a Christian? Oh, I'm a Christian. Well, what, what church you? Oh, I go to this, this church and this, I go. And then she said this, and it threw me. And I'm not, you know, I've been in ministry for more than four decades. Nothing throws me too often. She said, I love church. I just don't like the social part. Mm. No, church is the social part. <laughs> so she wants to have church just by herself. Mm. No, but it's the connect with the uh, If you want to overcome your doubt and disbelief, connect with other believers in their connection and your connection with Christ. That's what he did. He showed up in the house. And when he was in the house, now he got to see what they saw. He got to hear what they heard. He was exposed to what they were exposed to. And next thing you know, coming out of his mouth is, I won't believe the thing in his mouth was my Lord and my God. So mm. if you want to, you want to get past your doubt, spend some time with the saints, yeah. with the saints. And then the next thing we know, you'll be through blasting the church and you'll start talking about my Lord and my God. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. So being connected to a, a, a local body of believers, uh, being connected online nowadays, uh, being connected to the right uh, church where you can get their word. And, um, and, and you can always, you know, connect with family and friends to talk about the sermons that you hear, to talk about what pastor I've been preaching this week, talk about other things that you've come across online uh, so that you can continue to grow in your faith. Because as pastor said a few weeks ago, if bad news uh, builds our fear, then good news must increase our faith. And so we need to increase our faith in order to overcome that, over to overcome that doubt. And one thing about being connected to the church, uh, being connected especially uh, to the black church, is not just the fact that we can grow spiritually together, but we become aware of what's going on socially. We become aware of what's going on in our community and nationally. And so um, there's no secret that we're still experiencing the pandemic of that, which is the COVID-19 virus. And um, there were many articles uh, these past couple of weeks that were coming out talking about the data now, uh, uh, the racial data of how the COVID-19 is affecting certain groups of people, you know, nationally. Um, as, uh, as it relates to right now, not as of yet, but I don't know if the, the federal government have, have released any uh, numbers as it relates to racial data yet, um, but a few states have. And so now these articles are coming out talking about how the COVID-19 um, is affecting the black community more than any other community in our nation. Um, and there are several reasons why that is happening. And for many people, uh, for many people, it is saying how this virus is really just exposing what we already knew, that black people in America is a vulnerable community and vulnerable people. And in the midst of a pandemic, the first thing that viruses take out are those that are vulnerable. And in the beginning when this whole thing was happening, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, there were myths that were going around, especially on social media. Well, black folks are immune to the virus. Uh, the virus is only taking out older people. Um, how important is it, uh, Pastor, for us to be aware of the type of news? Not, not only are we staying aware, but the type of 
news that, that we're receiving and where we're going to get the news because we want to be able to understand what's going on in our world, not through myths, but through facts. Yeah, one of the things you, you were talking about earlier about building your faith, getting, overcoming your doubt, one of the <laughs> couple of things uh, Thomas did, he started looking to Jesus and listening to Jesus. When Jesus came in that house, I don't know where he was, what Thomas was prior to that, the week before, but now he was in the house with the saints and he was looking at Jesus and listening to Jesus. And so who you look to and listen to spiritually, but also who you look to and listen to socially. And, and, and when, when you're talking about this is not affecting our communities, not affecting black people and all of that, part of that was we're not counted. We, we're not considered. You're not even a part of the discussions. That when they start talking about testing, they don't run to our communities and give it to us. How do you know if we got it or don't have it when you won't test us? There's no equal testing. And if you can't have equal testing, you can't have equal remedy. And so when you start hearing about numbers of black people uh, disproportionately in these uh, major cities that uh, are getting the coronavirus, dying from the coronavirus, uh, it's systemic that we're, here's a community that has been overlooked. Here's a community has not been counted. Here's a community has not been treated equally. Here's a community that has not been treated justly. And so now when this crisis comes in, the people who support, the, the people who make the laws and the people who make policies that have been voted into office now starts blaming the victim. There are victims in our community. So here, here are black people, and they say, well, black people need to take better care of themselves. Take better, how can we take better care of ourselves when you have systems in place that won't allow us to get health care? It's almost, it's very difficult to get it or almost impossible to get it. Then you so take better care of yourself. Well, in our communities, that there are food swamps, food deserts, and Freddie Haynes, Dr. Frederick Douglass Haynes III doesn't call them food deserts. He said deserts are natural. This is food apartheid. These are policies that have been put in place to keep food from certain communities. So when you don't have in, in our communities of black people and brown people, places that they can get healthy food options, of course we're going to be sick. And when that virus connects with a sick person, it goes after them. We're sick because economic, there, no economic development in our communities. And when there's no economic development in our community, you think that's not going to impact us in our physical health? Of course it does. And then no healthy food options, no health care available. And now when we're looking to those who are in office, we, they're voted in office, supposed to be working for us. And instead of coming up with policies to come help us, you start talking about you need to take better care of yourself. You cannot oppress a community and then talk about y'all not taking care of yourself. That's the, they're the victims. Black people and brown people have been victimized. And then the people who victimized them now are saying, you got to take care of yourself. But then when it comes time for testing in their communities, then they show up there. And then you, you talk about the, the impact it's having on black people. Son, we're on the front lines. They keep talking about all oh, the front line people. Oh, we really got to take care of them. Right. And you have it. So you got black doctors. You got black nurses. Uh, you have black firefighters, black EMTs, black sanitation workers, black bus drivers, 
we're on the front line. And you didn't provide the right equipment. You didn't provide uh, the right instrument. You didn't provide the right protection. And now you attack the victim. So it's, it's really insane. And, uh, it, we, and as you talk about spiritually, we got to be careful who we look to and listen to. And socially, we got to be careful who we look to and listen to because there is a reason that it is attacking our community the way it is. And a lot of it is systemic. Yes, it's, it's systemic and it's also historic. Um, and, and it's satanic. <laughs> and it is satanic. Uh, and, and all of these things, and really what this virus shows, again, is exposure to what we've already knew uh, dealing with people of color uh, in, in America. Black folks have been living within a pandemic for centuries at a time. And so now it's definitely just exposing um, the disparities in the healthcare system. Um, in addition to, as you talked about, the food, and then not even to mention the justice system. Um, and so now we got cities like, you know, Louisiana, uh, uh, we, got, we got areas like Louisiana, Chicago, Memphis, Philly, Michigan, all these different places where black people, uh, the population is less than 20%, but uh, the effects of the COVID virus and those that are dying from it, now numbers have increased, by, uh, you know, by, I'm sure by now. Um, but as you talked about, uh, the bad, they talked about bad choices because of bad food choices related to our underlying health problems. But again, that is systemic and historic, not just bad choices, but you have to deal with the environmental context of it. Because people like Flint, who had to suffer with bad water, and now that all that has causing these underlying issues, so when they get the virus, as you said, it's attacking our, these organs and these things within the body that were already had negative impacts on them because of the environment that they lived in. And not just, not just that, but the living environment. Cause you talk, you know, they, they say in order to stop the spread, we gotta, we gotta have social distancing. Uh, and, and, and for some, for most people of color living in America, especially those in poverty, social distancing is a privilege. Like if you living in a home with six people, there is no social distancing. If you're in prison, there is no social distancing. If you're in a homeless shelter, there is no social distancing. And so a, a, lot of, a lot of the talk as it relates to responding to the pandemic is really privileged talk. And, and as one uh, author said for the New, the, the, the New York Times, is elitism. Like a lot of the stuff that we're talking about in the news, uh, it's really speaking to one group of people, like people who can't afford to, to, to pack groceries weeks at a time. You know, people who don't have to... Uh, go to an office to work from home. As you said, black folks and brown folks, uh, a lot of the jobs that we have are service and construction. And so you can't build a home from home, right? You can't, you, uh, you can't ride a, drive a bus from home. You can't work on somebody's hair from home. So all these different jobs that we have um, is not, uh, not allowing us to work from home, which causes us to be more prone to getting the virus. And then the systemic issues that are in place are now having us die from the virus. Yeah, and, and even with grocery houses, they're saying, don't even go grocery shopping. Just have your groceries delivered. I'm like, yo, who are y'all talking to? That's the <laughs> indication. They're not talking to us. You can't take food stamps and call somebody and tell them, bring your groceries from Kroger. That's not going to happen. They're not even going to allow you to do that. So the messaging is not for us. The policies are not for us. It is, it's systemic. It is satanic. 
and then to blame the victim rather than coming along with solutions and policies that can come alongside the people that have helped build this country and still building this country and still blessing this country is it's really a shame it's really a shame and but it's uh but we're going to have to look out for each other during this time the way we have done his you, you brought up it, it's not just uh systemic it's historical and historically black people have been overlooked and historically black people and brown people have had to come alongside each other and so when you have those of us who can have our groceries delivered have a few more delivered and then go drop them off at the somebody's uh, doorstep and ring the doorbell run <laughs> or, or or call them on the phone and say the lord just dropped something off at your house and we gotta we gotta come alongside each other and think this through because we we can't wait on people who put in policies to dismiss us to now all of a sudden they're going to come alongside us. It's not going to happen. So we got to make sure that, and, I, and let me say this too. And I want to, I want to say thank you to the members of uh, Eastern Star Church and, and our friends of the ministry. We've been able to, to provide more than 6,000 meals a week, mm. more than 6,000 meals a week during this time. It's really more than that. I just have to say a low number. So when people do the fact check it, they'll be like, no, it wasn't six. It was like eight. Well, yeah. I'd rather say that than say eight, didn't put seven. But anyways, thousands and thousands of meals that we've been providing every week and, and so many other things that have been happening in this ministry. And it's because of the generosity of the people. We're not sitting back waiting on all of a sudden the policymakers to now turn towards us with favor. They need to because we live here, we work here, we pay taxes. And we have the, the rights to everything else, everybody else is supposed to have. It's just, it hasn't happened. I'm not looking for it to happen by tomorrow. Yeah. So like, like you said, we really, we really need to sound the alarm. Uh, and these numbers will really increase over time. Um, and not, a, not every state is, is pushing out these numbers as it relates to the racial disparities. And we're still waiting on the federal government to do that as well. Um, but it's not... As as the old uh, saying goes, when when white America gets the common cold and black folks uh, get the flu, and as uh, Dr. Haynes uh, asked the question, well, when white folks get the COVID nineteen, what does that mean for black people? Um, and so we just have to be more aware, as you said, continue to be the community that we are, look out for each other, and and let and let folks know the facts. We're not living, we're not trying to go through this off of myths and social media memes. Um, but making sure you go to the right source to get your news and the right source to get your spiritual nutrition. Um, because although uh, they're saying non-essential businesses are shut down, uh, it is essential that we continue to grow in our faith. It is essential that we continue to read our word and increase our prayer life. Um, and so each, the folks at Eastern Star Church, um, we are continuing to do what is essential so that we can continue to grow spiritually. And so I want to shift to this. Um, Sunday, this past Sunday, of course, we celebrated the Resurrection Sunday. And we, re we reflect on the resurrection. We praise God for the resurrection. You know, we dress up in our fancy clothes or our T-shirts. And we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, and so now, once the resurrection is over, the question is, what is next? Um, what do we as a people of God do moving forward 
uh, as after we celebrate the resurrection, after, like you said, Sunday, it is finished, but God is still moving. So what does that mean for us as the body of Christ uh, moving past Resurrection Sunday? Yeah, I think it means the same thing uh, as you brought up earlier in John chapter 20, uh, when Jesus, when Thomas wasn't there, and Jesus showed up in that house uh, with, with the 10 disciples. I believe it starts at verse 19 of John chapter 20. Jesus came in and, and said, peace be unto you. So one thing, we're talking about after the resurrection, we ought to have some peace. It was, and, and you know that the Hebrew people at that time, man, they were in oppression and suppression and depression from the Roman government. They were in poverty. Uh, they were in difficulty. They were in hardship. And Jesus came in and said, peace be unto you. So you can get peace in confusion. You can get, you can get peace in the time of sorrow that, uh, the, the God is able to provide peace if you keep, my perfect peace, if you keep your heart and mind stayed on Jesus. So part of our response is not losing our mind during this crisis because we serve a resurrected Christ and the same God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us. So we got peace. We can have peace through this uh, even as we deal with the chaos of the coronavirus. And then he said to them, um, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about going to church in a building. It's not just about wearing certain clothes. It's not just about who you download to hear your message from. It's about being filled with God's Holy Spirit. When we give our faith to Jesus Christ, believing his death, burial, and resurrection, the moment of that belief, his Holy Spirit moves inside of us. And the more we yield to him as we pray and we fast and we connect with other disciples and, 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 the, and we meditate, the more we yield to the power of God's Holy Spirit that he begins to fill us. That means control us, to influence us. So our decisions are influenced by the Holy Spirit. Our behavior is influenced by the Holy Spirit. How we come along other people, come alongside other people, that's influenced by the Holy Spirit. So he said, get you some peace. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said this to him, talking about our response to the resurrection. He said, now, uh, the same way I forgave you that's how you need to forgive other people. The stuff you, Jesus said, the stuff you did against me, sins you committed, the wrong you did and all of that. He said, I forgave you. I let it go. Now he said, I want you to go and do the same thing for other people. Forgive other people. Let it go. Don't hold these grudges. And then he, he, he kind of messed me up. He said, now, if you don't forgive these people, I ain't going to forgive you. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. So uh, the forgiveness is not just a blessing to the other people that offended you but it's a blessing to you so that you have the freedom that you need to have. And then finally, he said in that text, um, he said, you get, you get your peace. Uh, he said, uh, Holy Spirit, forgive. Then he said, I'm sending you the way my father sent me. This is an assignment. This is our purpose. So now the resurrection, we celebrated. What do we do? Well, Jesus said the same way my father sent me. That's how I'm sending you. Well, how did he send him? Well, he sent him to save souls. He sent him to expand the kingdom. He sent him to forgive. He sent him to feed the hungry. He sent him to bless. And so the things Jesus said, the stuff you saw me do, now you go out there and do it. So you're right. The resurrection is not a time to sit back and say, well, I just got through another resurrection Sunday. No, it's time now to go out and do what Jesus did and being a blessing, come alongside others, helping people get saved, helping people to grow as disciples in the kingdom of God. 
Man, you just preached a sermon in like two minutes, Doc. <laughs> you are Jeffrey Johnson. <laughs> well, at least I read the Bible. So if people start reading the Bible, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll get everything they need from the Lord. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you talk, you focus on this a lot. And, uh, you know, Jesus, since he said, go do what I did. Well, what did you do? Well, Jesus went and addressed systems. Yeah. Religious systems of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the chief priests. He said, y'all, this, this is not the way it's supposed to be. The, the kingdom of God is about to rule the reign and righteousness of God. The way y'all been doing it, this system is wrong. Yeah. Then he addressed social systems. I was hungry. You fed me. I was outdoors. You found me adequate housing. I was in prison and you got me some re-entry services that uh, I was I was sick and you found me some health care even though I had pre-existing conditions. And so he addressed social systems. He addressed religious systems. He addressed political systems. That's why you hear him talking about Caesar. And you hear him dealing with Pilate and Herod and all that kind of stuff. And so Jesus said, all right, now, it's not just about singing and shouting in church, hmm. but addressing these systems that have brought injustice and inequality to people that now they, who've been victimized, and now they're trying to call, act like they're the villains in this. No, Jesus said, go do what I did. Address these systems that have been shutting out certain people. So yeah. I think that's the response. Yes, and like you said, advancing the kingdom of God, which as you preached on many occasions, the kingdom that Jesus was advancing was completely opposite of what they were experiencing during that time. Um, not just the Roman Empire, but human systems uh you know he's he's switching the religious system because once the, that curtain was torn now we don't need a priest or a prophet or a preacher to get into the to get access to god jesus switched the religious system he's like you said the social system the first shall be last and the last shall be first and the political system he's king of kings and lord of lords all because he was advancing the kingdom of god and so when you and I, uh, as believers, really tap into that power that Pastor Johnson talked about that, that, that Christ gave us, not just the peace of God, but the power of God uh, to go out and take care of our loved ones, to go out and, and change and challenge systems in our community, uh, to go out and help the church evolve to what God wants it to be. Um, that's when we are become more and more like Jesus in that, in that endeavor. But I do want to ask you this, because you talked about, you know, um, Christ forgave us, um, you know, forgiving other people. And um, when we look at Jesus, you know, the, the Bible teaches us that Jesus was a, he, he, he had no sin. He was a perfect person. He had no sin. And when, when it comes to, to us, you and I, we are born and raised in sin, shaping in iniquity. So it's difficult for us to, you know, kind of follow the model of Jesus and not just, not just, the forgiveness piece, but in all aspects of life, how, how do we as sinful people uh, do a better job in uh, following the model of Jesus, following the walk of Jesus, a perfect man? How do, how, how do, how do we as imperfect people follow the walk of a perfect person? Yeah, well, for one thing, we yeah we all sin we all make mistakes we all fall we got weight and sin that we need to lay aside but we are even though we're not sinless the longer you with jesus you ought to sin less so <laughs> you know it's not an excuse 
that, you know, we all human. We all maybe okay, well, at some point, you ought to grow and develop as a child of God. You know, when I, when, uh, when I was, when I was learning how to walk at 10 months, 11 months, and I would fall all the time, get up, try again. I get up, fall again, just kept falling. Well, by the time I was two, I was falling less. I kept falling, but I was falling less. And now I'm in my fifties. I very seldom fall. Mm. So the more you mature, the less you need to be falling. And so even though we're not sinless, that as we grow and develop as children of God, then we ought to sin less. And then how do we do it like Jesus? That's what that Holy Spirit is for. Yeah. When, we, when we allow the Holy Spirit who moved in us when we became Christians, when we yield to the Holy Spirit, he gives us the power to do that. It is When we try to do it under our own power, we're going to keep messing up, keep sinning, keep falling. But when we yield to the power of God's Holy Spirit, he's going to help us to walk a whole lot more like Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's good. Um, listen, before we get out of here, I do want to thank everybody who's tuning in, however you are tuning in. Uh, we appreciate your uh, digital support, uh, virtual support, and you are tuned into the Eastern Star Church. Um, you can find us on, on online, easternstarchurch.org. And of course, on all our social media platforms, you can subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and then even uh, subscribe to our podcast, Eastern Star Church podcast, where you can get this conversation and all the other conversations and sermons that uh, have been preached uh, so far this year. And so, Pastor, before we get out of here, um, you are preaching this Sunday, correct? <laughs> I don't have anywhere else to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in town. So I will be free. You are on the front line. You are an essential worker, Doc. We need that word. <laughs> so uh, I'm like your grandmother. If the Lord says the same, yes. if the Lord wills, I'll be preaching this Sunday. Yes. Can we get a sermonic trailer? You know, in the in the movies, they have these trailers to get people to come to watch the movie. So if you were trying to get people to come to hear your word, to hear the word that God is giving you as you would deliver, what would be your sermonic trailer? Well, I don't, I don't want to say something and then people not watch. So, uh, <laughs> so I want to be careful. But we, we started with, uh, with Noah in, in chapters 6 and 7. We started with Noah. You got to teach me how to do this, this, this online stuff, son. So friends won't call in while I'm talking. And take me off the screen. So you got to help me to learn how to turn this stuff off before I can get on. Okay. Anyway, we started with uh, with Noah in, in Genesis chapter 6 and 7, who went through a serious, serious storm. And, and he lost almost everything. He lost his job. He lost his house. He lost his chariot. Uh, he lost his friends. He, kept, he had his uh, media family, but he lost his extended family. And he, he lost his community. He lost almost everything. And, uh, and then in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, and God remembered Noah. But even though he lost almost everything, because he still had God, we, we're going to learn later on that God will give all that stuff back to you. Yes, and sir. so uh, what we like to do, we like to, in our storms, we like to itemize what we lost. I lost my job. 
I lost, I had to take a cut in pay, uh, can't be around my friends. So we itemized what we lost and then we ignore what we still got left. Man, still got your life, still got your health and strength. You can still think, still got your family. Uh, you still got that ark, so you ought to be able to sail through this storm and you still got a relationship with God. And when you have a relationship with God, I promise you that the things you lost, God is able to give it back to you. So that's 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 a long sentence. That's my sermon in a sentence for Sunday. That's a long <laughs> sentence. But I just want people to know God has not forgotten about you. And, and God is going to do everything that needs to be done to help you to sail through this storm. Hallelujah. And every now and again, you need to run on sentence to get your point across, Doc. So don't. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, listen, we, I appreciate you uh, for sacrificing your time. I know you got a busy schedule, busy day ahead of you. We appreciate uh, you, uh, you know, giving us that word, encouraging us during these times, and uh, giving us a, um, a good source of news as we try to become more aware of our social uh, surroundings. And then of course, uh, giving us the strength that we need spiritually. And uh, I'm sure people uh, are more in love with their pastor now than ever before. Uh, with all that's going on, you continue to uh, do your work at a high level. So we appreciate you, sir. All right, son, I pre thanks for bringing me to the 21st century. <laughs> yes, sir. And uh, we appreciate you for tuning in, however you tuned in. Make sure you uh, tune in this Sunday um, as Pastor Johnson will continue uh, with the story of Noah as we continue to sail through this storm and how we need to be more appreciative of the things that we do have, uh, knowing that God will restore everything that we lost. Uh, we'll see y'all next time. I'm Pastor Jay. This is Pastor Jeffrey Johnson, Sr. Peace. And one week later, now Thomas is there with the other disciples in the house. And now he's witnessing Jesus. And when Jesus showed up, Jesus said, peace be unto you. I know you got difficulties. I know you've been disappointed. I know you've been oppressed and suppressed. I know life has been hard for you. But then he said, peace be unto you. You know that Christ doesn't have to remove confusion and chaos to give you peace. He'll give you peace in the midst of your storm. He'll give you peace in the midst of your sorrow. He'll give you peace that surpasses all human understanding. He'll give you perfect peace if your mind is stayed on Jesus.